This is Morning Breath, your drive-time devotion sure to jumpstart your day. Brought to you by East Coast Christian Center. Morning Breath starts now. You're listening to a special message recorded live at East Coast Christian Center. Let's start out by telling you a little bit about a Christmas I had. and it's, uh, It really fits a perfect Christmas uh, story. Uh, I know that life is not always uh, cut and dry or clean. And this Christmas was probably my messiest Christmas ever. I was 15 years old. And that year, my sister had gotten married. And so she was not at home for our first Christmas, not at home. It was my sister and I and our family, mom, dad, sister, and I. And uh, my alcoholic father was gone. We didn't know where he was at. He had left home. And he had often did that at Christmas or any other sort of emotional event. He was not very emotionally sound. And so he would escape in alcohol whenever there was like an emotional issue going on. So instead of being there for Christmas, he bought me a really, really nice, the top of the line motorcycle helmet because I got a motorcycle for my birthday, I think when I was 14, and then they changed the law, which was awesome. And so I had it for a year, and I was ready to start riding it on the, uh, when I was 15. So he got me this really nice motorcycle helmet, but that helmet really kind of typified to me, you know, some of my anger and hurt and emptiness I felt that my dad wasn't there. So I got the helmet, I unwrapped it, I took it out on the, in the street in front of my house and threw it up in the air as high as I could about 10 times and let it land on the asphalt uh, just to kind of just kind of expressing a little bit of the anger and uh, frustration I felt that my dad would get me a nice gift, but he wouldn't be there. That was kind of a tough feeling. And so at that point, I then uh, found out some other things about what was going on that Christmas. I found out that my dad actually, uh, when he got married, told my mom he was 25, but he was really 35. Oh, yeah. And so they were married, left England, came to America, and then later on, he told her he was actually 35 years old, not 25. Of course, my mom was just like 21 when they got married, so I believe my dad was actually 15 years older than my mom. And uh, then I also found out that year that my uh, dad, when my mom was six months pregnant with me, had an affair with a woman, and she got pregnant with a boy, and that I had a half-brother I never even knew about uh, that whole time, never met him, tried to, never could meet him in my life, and uh, it was kind of a rough Christmas, and what it really boiled down to is I couldn't trust my dad anymore. He was untrustworthy, and so I'd lost my circle of trust, And as a kid, 15, when you don't have trust at home with your family, and my mom was barely getting by in all of this. I mean, it was was a tough time in her life. My sister was gone. I had no family in Florida, neither did my mom. All my mom's family was from England, and so she was isolated from her family. And uh, my dad's family was from Ohio, and he'd only gone up there once. I didn't really know anybody in Ohio, know them very well, neither did my mom. And so it was, a, it was a kind of tough family. And so what I did when I lost my circle of trust is I began to get a new circle of trust. And it was not a good one. I began to trust people my own age who knew everything <laughs> like I thought I did. And uh, we ended up, it wasn't good for them to trust me or I to trust them. We ended up in a pretty tough spot. We'll get back to that a little bit later in the message. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we honor you as we always try to do as we gather. And I pray, God, help us this year. 
as we enter into this busy time to not forget the simple truths of Christmas. That you loved us, you loved us enough to give us your son who came as a baby but grew into a man and gave his life for us. Lord, there are a lot of simple truths that we don't want the busyness of this year to cover up. God, help us in this time to see you in everything we do. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, Christmas is an old story. It's, two, it's 2,000 years old. And when you think about that, to try to, to, to hold on to the wonder of Christmas 2,000 years later can sometimes be challenging. It can be challenging for me. I've been a pastor. I've preached Christmas messages or Christmas series of messages for 35 years. Sometimes it's a little bit tough to be creative and fresh about what you're seeing when you've gone over it again and again and again. Sometimes it can kind of lose its wonder, just like in couples and marriages and families. Later on, uh, couples don't give gifts at Christmas or even anniversaries or birthdays. They just sort of acknowledge one another. Yeah, you're there, I'm there. Hey, let's keep going. And if that's what you do, you know, that's what you do. But, but it's easy to go that direction because it's something that's happened again and again and again. And at times, Chris, Christmas can lose lose its wonder. Something that helps me, with Christmas especially, to not lose its wonder is something that Jesus did quite a bit when he was trying to get across something to us, scripturally speaking, in the Bible, that maybe we'd never seen before or we didn't understand. And what Jesus would do in those situations is he would use a parable. He would use this story that would tell us things about something we may never have seen before. An example is found in Matthew uh, chapter 22. I won't read the whole parable. It's, it's fairly long. I'll read a few verses of it. But he starts out there. Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, the kingdom of heaven is like. You got to understand that when Jesus was saying this, no one had seen the kingdom of heaven but him. Nobody else had a background on what that was. Uh, when we read it, we've already got the picture in our head and in our heart, hopefully, of what the kingdom of heaven is like. But when he started sharing this, these, this was all brand new, uncharted territory for those he was speaking to. So he used a parable to try to bring something that was far away up close to the people he was talking to. And so he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding and they were not willing to come. Again, he sent out other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see, I've prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fatted cattle are killed and all things are ready, come to the wedding. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his own farm, another his business and the rest seized his servants treated them spitefully and killed them. So he begins to share, and, and if you know the history of all that God has done and what the kingdom has all about, you begin to see in here a picture of a reality of Israel and its rejection of the Messiah and, and things of that nature. And, and so we can understand it better from where we're sitting now, but he's trying to explain something. He says the kingdom of heaven is like, it's like a king. Which is interesting, he doesn't say the kingdom of heaven is like a, a place with pearly gates or golden streets or you know uh, angels playing harps. 
He says, it's like a king. It's like a king. In other words, he gets across to us right off the bat that heaven is about someone. A singular, we know now, a, a, tri, a triune, you know, the Trinity, but, but a personality. Not a place, but heaven is about a person. I'm here today to say heaven is only heaven because Jesus is there. There would not be a heaven without Jesus. In fact, hell, if I understand it correctly, is the absence, all absence of God. Hell is no God. Heaven is all God. Somebody say amen. And, and then you look at it and say, what's the king doing? It says he's preparing a feast, a celebration. So heaven is a place of joy. Heaven is a place where, where there's going to be a huge celebration. Then he goes on and says, the, the people were invited. It was, it's a place where there's an invitation given where people make a choice whether or not they want to come or not and some choose not to and some choose to. It's, it's an invitation though with ramifications. Because if you choose not to, man, it's, it's not a good thing. And then he says, after they invites this chosen group sort of and they don't want to come, the Bible says that he goes out and sends his servants to invite everyone from every background, rich and poor, black and white, from here, from there, with a house, not without a house. Doesn't matter who they are, everyone is invited and many accept. So he gives a parable to kind of show us a little bit about what something no one's ever seen before or understood before is like. And if we're gonna understand parables, the first thing we need to do is understand what the word means. Now, of course, right off the bat, you'd say a story, and it is. But when you take the Greek word and break it down to its original form, it's two words, parabolo. Para means near. Paraclete, the one who draws near, the Holy Spirit who comes to comfort. Paraclete, the God who draws near and the person of the Holy Spirit. Para, near. And balo means to throw. So the word means to throw near. I think that's interesting. If you're far from something and you don't understand it, a parable can help you draw near to the truth that is in it, to be thrown near. So he's telling these stories. And, and in the story of heaven, we can see ourselves in that story, can't we? I mean, for me, everyone's invited. I can see myself there. Some are too busy, I can see myself there. Some are even belligerent, I used to be there. It's up to me, if I receive his invitation, I can see myself there. And so when he tells a story, he tells the story in a way that we can see ourselves in the story. That's why he uses parables. And so, how does that help us with the Christmas story? How does that help us with the Christmas, or a perfect Christmas? <laughs> well, see yourself in the story. So what helps me is I start just asking the question, what would I do if I were a wise man in the story? What would I do if I was Joseph, Mary? What would I do if I was in general their families when the word came out that Mary was pregnant? What would I do if I was the innkeeper? Here, take my room. <laughs> Probably not. Um, what about if I was Herod? Or Mary's dad. 
Or, or what if I was a parent of a two-year-old and I lived in that area? You know, when we, when we put ourselves in the story, the story then becomes more real than if we stand on the outside of the story and look in. God never intended us to be on the outside of this story. He always intended us to be on the inside of the story and look in. So as I threw myself into the Christmas story this year, for me the biggest mess I saw in, in the Christmas story is the family messes that I could see in it. That what happened on that first Christmas impacted a bunch of families in incredible ways. And there are some messed up families involved in the Christmas story. In fact, I'm gonna sh we're gonna show you a video here and it's our Mayhem series and we're gonna do a video each, each of our Christmas services. And if you're not familiar with Mayhem, Mayhem is a commercial on TV for Allstate where if you have mayhem in your life and don't have good insurance, then you might be in trouble, all right? But we're gonna show you our version of mayhem one more time. Let's take a look at this one. I'm your mother-in-law, and I just dropped by unexpectedly for the holidays. Oh, that cardigan really hides how much weight you've gained. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about your past relationships and how successful your exes are now. He makes six figures. <laughs> A fake tree? What's wrong with your crown molding? Just the one oven? This Christmas, you won't be walking in a wonderland. Instead, you'll be walking on eggshells. Spoiler alert, he dies from the crock pot. So random. You can't always stop mayhem like me. So this season, remember to celebrate your perfect Christmas. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. <laughs> yeah, you can do that. You know, you think about messes there. Start out with Herod. His family mess might have set a record for what messes were really like. Macrobius, uh, who in 400 uh, uh, wrote about, uh, he was one of the last pagan writers in Rome. In his book, Centernalia, he wrote, when it was heard that as part of the slaughter of the boys up to two years old, Herod the king of Jews had ordered his own son to be killed. The emperor Augustus remarked, it is better to be Herod's pig than his son. This was a reference to how Herod, as a Jew, would not kill pigs, but had three of his sons and many others killed. What a family. What about, now this was just, I just thought about, well, I wonder what the wise men's family was like. You know, sometimes I, I call Carol and said I won't be home for dinner because I'm, I'm either gonna be here or, or I'm gonna go hunting and so I won't be back till after dark and, and I won't be home for dinner and you know, Carolyn's always really gracious about it and, and it's great, but what, what about the wise men when they said to their families, you know, I won't be home for dinner for two years? And I might have, yeah, a little bit of conflict, I don't know. What about the shepherds? You know, these guys live kind of out in the wilderness anyway, and they're out there, and they've got this wild story of angels and the star and meeting the Messiah and all this stuff going on. I don't know how that would go off with your family. Or what about Joseph marrying a girl he got pregnant? Now, wait a minute. You're saying he didn't get her pregnant. I know that. 
You know that because you read the story, but what was his family to think? What, were, what was her family to think? What about this one is just, think about Mary's incredible mountaintop experience of, of the archangel coming and speaking to her and telling her she was gonna give birth to the Messiah and then having to walk from that to face her parents, to face Joseph and his family and talk to him about it. That sounds a little messy to me. See, when she said, be it unto me according to your word, what did she have to think about? Did she think about, probably not, because if she thought about it, I don't know what she would have said, but if she would have thought about, what about my family? What about his family? What about Joseph? What about the townspeople? What about Jesus? being raised as, a, as everyone around him thinking he was illegitimate. And we know they did because later on they actually speak to Jesus that way. When they say, oh, aren't you the carpenter's son? You know, the, the situation with Mary is messier than we even think. We know that the Bible teaches that someone should be stoned if that is, that occurs. And so Joseph, that's the reason he wanted to put her away secretly or privately so that that wasn't revealed to everybody out there so that she wouldn't have to pay the ultimate penalty of being stoned. But do you know, let me read to you what the scripture says about that. It says, if a man marries a girl who is claimed to be a virgin and then finds that she is not, they shall bring the girl to the entrance of her father's house and there her townsmen shall stone her to death. They don't do this over in a corner by the rock quarry. They do it on your front porch. And, and let me just say, Jewish people as a, as a rule were willing to do this. Remember the girl they threw down at Jesus' feet? Crazy mess if you ask me. What a mess. But the cool part is there's a Messiah in the mess. I don't know if you can see yourself in some of the strange dy dynamics uh, of Christmas, but as we throw ourselves near, I think I can thank God that any fi family dynamics I'm in aren't this messed up. Glory to Jesus. But the truth is, Christmas is not immune to messes, and neither is life. Just this past weekend, not this Saturday, but last Saturday, I was up to about four o'clock in the morning, uh, no, Friday, Friday, I was up to about four o'clock in the morning because my daughter, my granddaughter was in the hospital. Had to go to the emergency ward and all that goes with that and family, you know, pain and issues. But then the next day, the next morning, she's, she's out of church. No, I think it was Saturday. Sunday morning, she's out of church. Things were great. We had great services, awesome. Then while watching the Bronco game later that day, we usually record it and then watch it later. And so I try really not to hear who won. My friend texted me and told me who won. Thank you for that. <laughs> Dick Perkins. <laughs> he will not remain nameless. If he ever does it again, I will shoot him. But then in the middle of watching the game, I was really rude to Carolyn. Up, down, up, down, up, down, 
But then the Broncos won, so hey, it was pretty good after all that. Because <laughs> they haven't won very many games this year. Maybe you're a young family out there doing what you're doing, and you got a baby. First Christmas with first baby, there's some messes. Maybe you're an empty nester. And it's your first time without family. They're right in the middle of raising teenagers. Glory to Jesus. Or maybe you made travel plans and you are excited about them, but your grandpa the grandparents aren't or the parents aren't or the family's not or everybody but you isn't. But you're excited about your travel plans. Or maybe you're alone this Christmas. In our story, lots of people are alone at times. I believe the wise men, when they rejected Herod's advice and had to go home another way, that they felt like, ooh. Or maybe the shepherds, or maybe Mary, after the angel departed, and then she had to think about what she said yes to. Or Joseph, when he was trying to decide whether or not to divorce Mary or not. Could have been a very alone moment. Or that young family in Bethlehem with nowhere to stay. Or when they had to flee to Egypt. When we evacuate from a hurricane with three or four days warning, it is challenging. Do you, do you realize the stress level that comes in when we do that as a community? It's amazing. But let's just say you don't have to flee to the west coast of Florida or Orlando, you gotta go to Egypt with minutes warning. Get up, go. I have a friend who had a really bad year. At the end of that bad year, he was convicted of a felony. And his parents said to him, you know, this Christmas, we're gonna do it a little bit different. It's been a rough year, so don't come over for Christmas. Don't come to Christmas dinner. Don't come to Christmas morning. We, we don't want you in the gift exchange. We're just going to do it without you this year because it just was very painful. Ouch. What changed the mess into a miracle? I believe something simple, the word trust. We made a little acronym for you, and it's actually, if you go on the app, you can get this as a phone wallpaper, but trust, if you turn it in an acronym, is totally relying upon scriptural or spiritual truth. Totally relying upon scriptural or spiritual truth. Mary had to ask God the question within herself, is if I say yes to this, can I trust you, God, to work it out in my family? With the love of my life, Joseph, with the townspeople, with everything, with Jesus growing up, being called illegitimate. The truth is, everything we go through in life, we've got to remember, he said my name is Emmanuel, God with us. Remember the felony friend that I had that, that had that rotten Christmas? His mom comes to our church now. Yeah. She had to trust God. We have to trust God. It's no different for us. You have to trust God when the money's tight or the relationships are strained. 
or you're a new mom or dad, or there's conflict, or you're raising a blended family, or sickness comes knocking, or you know you can't please any, everyone, and family's pulling on you, and other families pulling on you, and, and your work schedule is less than ideal. I have lived my life where Christmas Eve and Christmas and all of that, my work schedule is less than ideal to celebrate Christmas. I'm not complaining, but there's still a reality with your family to work through in those processes. What about can you trust God when loved ones are missing? When that table setting is empty? More than that, when your heart is empty because someone has passed. The antidote for a family Christmas, I believe, is trust. Look what it says in Romans 10, 11. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Man, what a great verse. It comes from Isaiah 28, 16, which, which kind of expands upon the thought. So this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who trusts will never be put will never be dismayed. Beautiful picture. One of my favorite portions of scripture in the Bible is found in Proverbs 3. Verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Jesus came to the world at a low spot. That's all the time we have for our special Christmas message. Tune in tomorrow for our second half of this two-part sermon. Langston Commercial Real Estate, owned by Scott Langston, a senior commercial broker, has been selling real estate and giving free consultations for over 18 years. Scott Langston will show you the best way to buy, invest, or lease commercial property. 321-403-1111. That's 321-403-1111. Hi everyone, Kevin Barfield here with Barfield Contracting and Associates. We are a fully licensed and insured roofing and building contractor. We're located in Cocoa Village, but we service all of Brevard County and surrounding communities. We also offer many discounts, military, senior. As always, we offer free estimates and we appreciate every opportunity that we're given. We're at 454-4531. That's 454-4531. Barfield Contracting, treating you like family. God bless you. With buying and selling homes in the Melbourne, Florida area, Pineapple Farms is here to assist you. Pineapple Farms, serving Brevard County since 2011. For more information, go online to pineapplefarms.com or call at 321-426-0081. be a church that's focused on God, focused on the people on the inside, and focused on the people on the outside. Love God, love the church, love people, because we're building a life-giving church that lasts. East Coast Christian Center. Join us every weekend, Saturday night at 5.30 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30, 10, and 11.30 a.m. East Coast Christian Center is located at 680 North Courtney Parkway, Merritt Island. 
the Avenue Worship Center. Enjoy a fresh brewed cup of coffee with friends and family. Service times are at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at 85 North Richland Avenue. East Coast Christian Center Coco. We now have three services every Sunday morning at 8.15, 10 o'clock, and 11.45 a.m. Located at 1855 North Friday Road Coco. For more information, call 452-1060, extension 100. That's 452-1060, extension 100. Or visit us online at eccc.us. That's eccc.us. East Coast Christian Center, building a life-giving church that lasts. Thank you for listening to Morning Breath from East Coast Christian Center. We hope to see you at one of our locations this weekend. For additional information, such as service times, events, and more, please visit us at eccc.us. Thanks, and we hope you have a blessed day.